You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theupc.org. It's fitting that um, New Year's comes right in the middle of Christmas because Christmas in the Christian tradition is where all new things start. In the birth of Jesus, someone in the balcony just looked at his watch. That's the best thing to have happen four words into a sermon. <laughs> that was awesome. Because Christmas is where all new things start, right? And I'm just curious, how many of you, we talk about New Year's resolutions, how many of you actually make New Year's resolutions? Raise your hand. Not a lot. How many of you used to and you're like, yeah, that doesn't work. I'm done with that, right? That's kind of where we're starting with this sermon today. Real newness is what we need. It's what the world needs. We don't just need the turn of a calendar year with its resolution. We need new covenant resolutions. We need ways to participate in the real newness, the radical newness that God brings about in Jesus Christ that replaces the old and the places of loss, the places of chaos. Now, the promise of a new thing is what God made through his prophets, notably the prophet Jeremiah and the prophet Ezekiel. And we're going to look at Jeremiah this morning and what Jeremiah wrote about the new covenant. So if you'd be so kind in your Bibles, you can turn to page 642 or pull it up on your devices, Jeremiah 31. Uh, Page 642, Jeremiah 31. We're looking at verses 31 to 34. And why don't we go ahead, if you're uh, willing or able, why don't you stand up and we'll read these verses together. Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 34. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. A new covenant. Now, a covenant is a promise to remain loyal. It was God's promise of loyalty to his people and the people's promise of loyalty back to God. The one that the prophet Jeremiah is talking about, that God is talking about through the prophet Jeremiah when he talks about the first covenant, when I took them out of Egypt, is a covenant we often refer to as the Ten Commandments. That's why discussion of the law comes back into this passage. So it's, it's, it's a promise where God says, I will give you my love and I will provide for your life. And God's people say back, we will give you our love and we will provide for the life of our neighbor. We will love the Lord our God with all our heart, and we will love our neighbor as ourselves. That's the summation of this whole law. That's the summation of this whole covenant. 
And covenants are intimate business. You heard in verse um, 32 there, God says, I was their husband, says the Lord. The covenant, the closest we get to something that reflects this kind of covenant is a marriage covenant. This uh, it creates the space for intimate knowledge and love of one another. It's, it's like God walking in the garden with Adam before the fall into sin, that intimacy with God. It's, the, it's like a marriage covenant, husband and wife given to one another in intimate communion. But covenants fail. Promises are broken through benign inattention or outright rebellion. Uh, we know this from our own relationships. We know this from our own relationship with God. This is what happened between Israel and God. So a new thing is needed, a new covenant, a new promise, a fresh start. And Jeremiah is prophesying at a time when the end is coming for Israel. Jerusalem is about to be destroyed. The king and all God's people are about to be exiled into Babylon. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be dark days ahead. So this morning, with this new year, I want to make just three very simple and practical observations about what it means to live with new covenant resolutions instead of new year resolutions. And new covenant resolution number one I'm going to suggest is begin with God. Now the first thing that you need to be clear about if you want to answer God's invitation to a new thing is it's not about you. It's not about what you will do or who you will be. It's not about what you have done. Uh, or what you have been, the new thing begins with God and God alone. The new covenant is not like the old one. Now, when life isn't working, what's the first thing we do? We tend to focus either on ourselves, what do I need to change, what do I need to get right, what do I need to do better, or on another human agent. What does that person need to change? What does that person need to get right? What do these people need to do to get better? And what Jeremiah says is the beginning of the new covenant is he basically says, you know, get over yourselves. Nothing you can do can make anything new. Nothing you can do can make anything new. You can renew, you can reuse, you can recycle, you can revive, you can recommit. You can't make it new. Nothing that you can do can make anything new. The new covenant, Jeremiah says, doesn't start with you. It starts with God. Notice this in Jeremiah 31, how often God says, I will. In fact, every they will follows at least one, if not more, I wills. Look from verse, uh, verses 33 forward. I will make a new covenant. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. And then they shall all know me from the least to the greatest. I will be their God, and they will be my people. I will forgive. The new covenant, new life, hope, dawn, the new thing starts with God's action and activity in your life and in our world. And most of us make the horrible mistake of rushing into each day concerned with what we have or haven't done or should or shouldn't do. And Jeremiah says, get over it. Start with God. God says, let me teach you in the words of my servants, the prophets, in the words of Jesus, in the words of the apostles. Let me teach you what matters to me so that you can live out this new thing that I have begun and that I will finish. I've started to do some things in the world to make all things new, and I'm calling you to participate. 
Let's make this practical. Okay, New Year's resolution. What's the number one New Year's resolution everybody always makes? Lose weight, right? And it starts with you and what you need to do, right? We all know what we need to do to lose weight. At least we think we do, right? What do you need to do to lose weight? Diet and exercise, eat less, exercise more, right? I mean, this is where we always start it. And it's the wrong question. The question in what has God done? What is God doing? What will God do? And then, how can I participate? See, gluttony is just a lack of mindfulness. It's eating without regard for the God who created and provides for us. Some people have suggested gluttony is eating without gratitude. It's eating without regard for others. And the new thing of God is always about what God has done, is doing, and will do. So get off your own actions here for a little bit. What has God done? He's created our bodies. He's done a great job with these. He's provided food for pleasure and health. Really good stuff. And what is God doing? He's providing. He's blessing. He's giving the grace of good food and food to share. And what will God do? He's going to continue to provide. He's going to reprimand the fat and well-fed and provide for the poor down the road. And he's going to resurrect our bodies. And how can I participate? Well, gratitude. Maybe moderation, telling myself, I'll still be blessed tomorrow. Maybe generosity, how do I share this table? Maybe worship, what I eat is not about me, it's about giving thanks to God for this and enjoying it. That God has gifted me with this body and the people I share this table with. Do you see the difference here? The New Year's resolution is lose weight, and it's all about me. The New Covenant resolution is thank God for every bite. Or maybe it's give as much money to the poor as I spend on my own drinks and food. It begins with where God already is. It goes to where God is already saying he's going to be at work. The New Year's resolution is about what you have done and you're going to do or you will do. But the New Covenant resolution is about what God has done and is doing and will do and relish it. Live in it. Begin with God. Now, if you're going to begin with God, according to Jeremiah, you do need to know God. Jeremiah writes, just a little further on, verse 34, No longer shall they teach one another and say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. For they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. Now, maybe this sounds like a no-brainer that you need to know God, but really it's important. Because we find out in Jeremiah 5 that everybody in Israel at the time thought they knew God. They worshiped God. They were God's people. They felt really secure in their identity as God's people. They lived in God's city. They acted in the name of God, but according to God's words through Jeremiah, he was not their God. It was God as they had imagined God to be. Now, we just celebrated the birth of Jesus. And do you remember how John's gospel describes Jesus in, in John chapter 1? It says that Jesus knew God the Father. That Jesus had seen God. He was close to the heart of the Father. 
In fact, Jesus said to one of his disciples, Thomas, much later in his life, the night he was betrayed, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. See, to know Jesus is to know God. So new covenant resolution number two is say yes to Jesus. Because without knowing Jesus Christ, it's impossible to know God. And without knowing God, it is impossible to live into the fullness and the richness of the new covenant. Without receiving Jesus at the heart, it's impossible to live out the new. Knowing Jesus is not about the head, as as important as truth is and doctrine is to our faith. It is not what is most essential. The person of Jesus Christ and saying yes to the person of Jesus Christ, that is most essential. Maybe you notice on the back of your bulletin, we give our love to the Larson family. Hazel Larson, our sister Hazel Larson, went to be with the Lord in November, and there is a service and remembrance of her life in January. The information's in your bulletin. Hazel was married to Bruce Larson. Bruce was the pastor here, uh, two pastors before George. It goes George, Earl Palmer, Bruce Larson. And Bruce was the pastor here when I was a college student. Uh, I used to sit in the back row. Okay, all you kids up there in the back row of the balcony, give me a wave. Hiya. Yeah, that, I sat where you are, right? That's where I would sit in Sunday morning worship because it was either there or they funneled you in where the choir sat, which just sucked. So, <laughs> so I would sit up there. And there was one Saturday night, and I would love to say this wasn't typical, but it was. I was in the study room at the sorority, and um, I was studying Saturday night with my friend Joanna. Joanna's wonderful. Joanna was not a Christian believer at the time. And we were talking for about 45 minutes this Saturday night about Christian faith. And I was arguing apologetics with Joanna, which means I was trying to convince her logically of the truth of the gospel uh, and how Christianity is true. We went over this for a long time, and then that was going nowhere, so we studied, and and there we go. Next Sunday, next morning, I come to worship, 10 a.m., I'm sitting up there. Good wave. I'm sitting up there, and Bruce Larson's preaching. And Bruce says... The heart of the Christian faith is not true-false. It is yes-no. And then he gives an example. He says, when I went to ask my wife Hazel to marry me, when I said, will you marry me, if Hazel had said true, we wouldn't have gotten very far. (laughs) But Hazel said yes, and the adventure began. And that story from Bruce that morning just transformed my walk with Jesus and my life of faith. It went from true to yes. Covenant resolution number two is say yes to Jesus. That simple word, yes, is the most important word for renewing our intimacy with God in Jesus Christ. The covenant metaphor in Old Testament is a marriage metaphor, like Bruce gave the example of he and Hazel. And some of you here have never said yes to Jesus instead of true to religion. I want to invite you to say yes. Many of us here have said yes to Jesus, and then we get distracted. We start looking at saying yes to other things that seem to offer more immediate security or satisfaction. The old-fashioned word for that is idolatry. And our yes becomes a no or a maybe or I'll talk to you later. But we were created for the yes of intimate relationship with God. But our sinful nature enters like a virus and changed our default setting to no. It enters like a virus, distracting us into thinking that the first question of faith is true-false. But hear me clearly, the first question of faith and abundant life is yes. The first answer, sorry. Allowing the Holy Spirit to daily transform us 
through intimate relationship with God, saying, it's, it's such simple things, saying yes to reading our Bibles each day, saying yes to praying, saying yes to this, so when the Holy Spirit invites us to the yes, when the Holy Spirit of Jesus invites us to the yes during the day, we know how to recognize that voice. That's what transforms us from the heart. So new covenant resolution number one is begin with God. It's God who created life and God who gives new life. And new covenant resolution number two is say yes to Jesus. Because God has said yes to us in Jesus. And that yes will never become a no. Say yes to Jesus. So new covenant resolution number three is get over your own failures and the failures of others and live forgiven. Did you catch that last line in, this, in these verses? For I will forgive their iniquity, the Lord says, and remember their sin no more. How good are you at not remembering your own sin? How good are you at not remembering the sins of others? I will forgive their sin and remember their sin no more. Live forgiven. Intimacy is vulnerable business. God chose intimacy with humanity at the center of all creation and opened up the possibility that we would choose against him and plunge all of creation into chaos and disorder. Jesus chose intimacy with humanity as the way forward to new creation and opened himself up to the violence of betrayal and rejection and death. And when we choose intimacy with God and intimacy with others, we open ourselves up. And with God, we open ourselves up to be quickly confronted with our own places of frailty and failure and inability. And in intimacy with others, we're going to be hurt and sinned against. And other people are going to hurt us and they're going to sin against us. And we will, if we are loving as Jesus loved, we're going to suffer. But here's the creative power of the new covenant that begins with God. The starting place for this new covenant in Jesus is not a new set of circumstances. It's not a new set of relationships in your life. It's not a brand new church. It's not a brand new job. It's not a brand new place to live. The starting place for the new covenant is the spot you're in right now. With all its wonder and all its joy and all its brokenness and all its hurt and all its resentments and all its loss. See, Jeremiah is not your typical New Year prophet. The typical New Year prophet would go, yeah, things are bad, but you still have time to change. You can still repent. Your typical prophet suggests some very helpful New New Year resolution that can turn things around and make them right. Yeah? But that is not Jeremiah's message to Israel. Jeremiah's message to Israel was, give it up. It is too late. Repentance will do you no good. Your debts have been called in, the divorce is final, the battle is lost. God's promise of a new covenant announced to the prophet Jeremiah was received in a context of complete failure and loss, exile and destruction. See, Jeremiah wasn't sent with the message, repent, and this may change. Jeremiah was sent with the message, begin with God, say yes to knowing God, and God will do a new thing. There's a difference. Jeremiah is sent with the message that it's too late. And if you were sitting there thinking that the losses of this past year leading up to this point, 
the failures and betrayals of life up to now, either in your own life or just culturally and socially that you see, are too overwhelming for simple fixes and New Year resolutions, you're exactly right. And Jeremiah agrees with you, and God, through Jeremiah, agrees with you. The new covenant starts and moves in where we have too often started with ourselves and too often said no to God and Jesus, and now the damage is too great and the loss is irreversible. Here's what Walter Brueggemann, one of my favorite Old Testament uh, profs, writes about Jeremiah. He says this, Jeremiah announces the central scandal of the Bible that radical loss and discontinuities do happen and are the sources of real newness. That radical loss and discontinuities do happen and are the sources of real newness. End of quote. See, our failure to begin with God and our no to Jesus and abuse of intimacy and abuse that we've suffered from the intimate failures of others, this is actually the starting point, Jeremiah says, for real newness. And what is the key that opens the door to that starting place? Forgiveness. Do you remember, Jesus, at the Last Supper, we say these words every time we celebrate communion, which is the celebration of the new covenant, that Jesus took the cup and said, drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness is essential to the new covenant that Jeremiah announces and Jesus establishes. Because you and I, we fail God and we fail each other beyond any chance of change or recovery. Now, I don't know what you have done to others in this old year. And I don't know what others have done to you in this old year. But I know this, that nothing comes from exacting vengeance, either direct vengeance or passive vengeance by constant complaining. Nothing new ever comes from holding a grudge. Nothing new ever comes from retaliation or from hatred. The new thing depends and begins in forgiveness. God's forgiveness in the cross of Jesus Christ for you, God's yes to you for everything that you have done and for everything that has been done to you. The sins that you have committed cannot hinder the new thing of God because the new thing doesn't begin with you. So new covenant resolution number one, begin with God. And the sins that others have committed against you cannot hinder the new thing of God because God's yes in Jesus is irreversible. So new covenant resolution number two, say yes to Jesus. The new thing becomes right here and right now. In the irreversible losses and broken places of the old, the wonderful revelation of God's newness through forgiveness in Jesus. So new covenant resolution number three is live forgiven and forgiving. Now, to close out our service today, instead of me just saying one prayer at the end, we're going to, to step into the finishing out of the Wesleyan covenant. I'm going to give you an introduction, then we have a song we're going to sing, and then Ken will lead us in the covenant prayer. Good job getting your papers ready. All right. But here's the fact, is that on one side of this covenant stands God, who promises to give us new life in Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. And every day, God proves his goodness and grace to us 
showing us that his promise still stands firm. And on the other side, we stand as those who promise to no longer live for ourselves, but instead to only live for Jesus Christ because he's loved us and given himself for us. And so before we go into this new covenant prayer, we want to take a moment to reflect, to remember that the new covenant begins with God and not with us. So in the words of of the Methodists, do not trust in your own strength and power, but rely upon God's promise of giving grace and strength. In this way, God will empower you to keep your promise. For just a few moments, reflect to yourself, where is it in this new year coming up that you need to begin with God? Where have you been beginning, either in your own actions or what other people should start doing and need to do? Where do you need to begin with God? Just take a moment to silently reflect on that. And beginning with God... Remember to say yes to Jesus, to set apart time in your day each day to say yes, to seek to perceive God's special care of you and and gracious acceptance of you. So so take a moment as Suzanne plays and we continue to reflect on where, where and how, where do you need to say yes to Jesus? What are some of the things you say yes to instead of Jesus that now it's time to say yes to Jesus? Let's reflect and pray on that for a moment. And finally, remember to live forgiven. God has said yes to you. That yes will never change. Receive the grace and power to forgive others. Name your sins to God and seek forgiveness every day and every night. Forgive as you have been forgiven. Reflect on who and where you need forgiveness and need the grace to give forgiveness. Now, as we continue, let's renew our covenant with God. Let's determine to be faithful. Let us dedicate our heart and our life to God. Let us open our mouth to dedicate ourselves to the Lord. And with God's power, let us never go back to our former way of living. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.